0: Welcome back to another episode of Single-Payer Radio. Single-Payer Radio is a project of Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare. The views and opinions expressed on Single-Payer Radio are those of the speakers and not the station. I'd like to thank everyone for their support during last week's membership and pledge drive. Let's join Dr. Michael Flynn and Dr. Eugene Shively with this week's guest. Department of Surgery.
1: Uh, Same for me. uh, The comments that I may make uh, represent my comments and my ideas, not the uh, Taylor Regional Hospital in Campbellsville, Kentucky, nor the University of Louisville, nor the Department of Surgery at the University of Louisville.
2: We have two special guests today. Uh, These are both members of the Kentucky Cancer Program Uh, which I hope we'll learn a lot about uh, it during the program today. Uh, This is a wonderful organization that's been engaged in cancer prevention and education and screening for three to four decades. Um, Let me introduce the two individuals and then uh, we'll give them each an opportunity to make some comments and then the uh, conversation will begin. First of all, we have Pam Temple Jennings. Pam's been with the Kentucky Cancer Program for 30 years. She's a senior cancer control specialist and has been involved in many, many education and outreach programs. Also, we have Janika Now, Janika is a relatively new member of the Kentucky Cancer Program since 2013. She's a cancer control specialist and has been involved uh, with the health equity initiative and works closely with the African-American community. So Pam and Janika, uh, we, we welcome both of you and thank you for your willingness to do this. Pam is the senior <laughs> person. We're gonna give you the opportunity to make your, the first comments and then then we'll let Janika make some comments and then we'll,
3: we'll get the ball rolling. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Flynn. Um, Yes, I have been with the Kentucky Cancer Program for over 30 years. And just a little bit of background, the Kentucky Cancer Program is a state-funded organization, um, funded through the state legislature, and the monies are allocated down through the University of Louisville and the University of Kentucky. So Janique and I both operate out of the University of Louisville. Um, I have been involved for so long, and we have watched... This program grow over the 30 years that I have been here um, by leaps and bounds with the amount of outreach that we do in the community, our partners, and that now we work with so many different organizations. We work with physicians. We work with the health departments, county extension agents, um, support groups, physician offices, the universities, the, um, all the schools and businesses. So we are out in the community, uh, as we like to say, boots on the ground and in our communities doing education. And we do this in a number of ways. And some of the, each of the regional offices are a little bit different in how we operate because we really try to tailor our programs to the communities where we are serving. So I am here in the Louisville area Um, I cover seven counties. That includes Jefferson County, Henry, Oldham, Shelby, Spencer, Trimble, and Bullitt Counties. So that is a pretty large area, and sometimes it's hard to get out of Jefferson County with all the activities. But we do um, a variety of of services as far as screening educational programs and other events and tobacco education.
2: Uh, Janika, your turn. Um, I'd I'd actually especially like to hear about some of your uh, work with the um, African-American community. I've got a story I want to tell a little bit later on and, and get you to respond to it.
4: Absolutely. So thank you so much, Dr. Flan and Dr. Shively, for having us on today. I'm excited to be a part of the show. Um, I have been with Kentucky Cancer Program since 2013. And I can even say that in this time that I have been here, this program has flourished even more. And that goes to show the tremendous efforts of all of us that are involved with the program as Pam stated already you know we do cover all the counties however I am here I am only located in Jefferson County that is the only area that I cover working with our African-American community the Kentucky African-Americans against cancer as well as the Harriet B Porter Cancer Education and Research Endowment I know several people are familiar with the Porter family a very well-known and prominent African-American family in our community who continues to give back for the cause Um, You know, through that program, we have an extensive reach to try and reduce um, cancer health disparities that we see amongst the African American population. And we work very closely with the faith based community, with other nonprofits to be able to see that come to pass. We want to make sure that we're providing equitable access to the members of the community, as well as trying to make sure that we're you know, instilling trust and continuing to be a credible entity and partner in the community. And we're excited about that. You know, One of the things we do is we take the services to those individuals because we know that they have so many competing priorities. And we want to make sure that we're reducing any barriers that they may have to be able to obtain screenings. Also as well as making sure that we try to connect them to any resources that they might need that could be a competing priority for them wanting to prioritize their health. So we have you know done tremendous work. Um, I know that this program started way before I came before I came, but I've been able to continue some of the great work that everyone that uh, the previous people at KCP have started, and I'm really excited about that.
2: All right, that's great. Thank you, Gene, do you want to start the ball rolling? Uh, just before
1: I get on to cancer, Mark, I want to add to what you said about uh, money uh, for uh, uh, K- Kentucky and, and uh, s- stimulus money. Uh, I was on a uh, Zoom meeting with the Kentucky Cancer uh, Hospital Association yesterday, and Kentucky's going to get about a billion dollars, but it's going to be tied in uh, into uh, measures quality measures. We don't know what those measures are going to be.
0: Good deal, thanks Gene.
1: Okay, now we always hear and the statistics show that Kentucky has one of the highest cancer rates uh, in America. Let's start off by saying, asking uh, why is that? And uh, uh, what can we do about it? And what is the Kentucky Cancer uh, Program uh, trying to do to stop that?
3: Well, I want to start with um, a couple of those um, cancer rates, and then I think Janika can jump in on some of the other ones. What we know most about Kentucky is our tobacco use. You know, we we grow it, produce it, and because of that, that has made Kentucky number one in um, a lot of the cancer rates and deaths. As of right now, Kentucky is actually number two with uh, the incidence of mortality that we have just fallen just Three tenths of a point behind West Virginia. So we keep going back and forth, but we know our, you know, the tobacco is our number one cause of lung cancer. Our smoking incident rates um, have dropped over the past few years. And we've actually even seen some of the tobacco rates in youth drop. Um, That's good and bad because we've seen the uh, rates in vaping using electronic cigarettes go up and pass, surpass um, cigarette use. So uh, Kentucky Cancer Program is very, very um, instrumental in trying to push smoking cessation classes, working in our community over the years, trying to train individuals from the health departments, um, work sites, hospitals, in leading tobacco cessation programs. Uh, We work closely with the American Lung Association in those programs. We also do through our providers practice prevention. We educate uh, doctors, dentists, uh, nurse practitioners, PAs on how to talk to their patients about tobacco use and the importance of stopping and how to educate them on using any of the pharmacotherapy aids in stopping uh, using tobacco. And we find so often that individuals don't use those products properly and over the years, we found that physicians don't always know how to educate their patients on how to use those products. So um, I personally even go to the de- U L Dental School and present to the dental students and the um, dental hygiene students on how to talk to their patients. And then we also uh, try to work with physicians on to make sure they're following the proper protocol on how to uh, prescribe patients to go have a lung cancer screening and to make sure that they're following those guidelines in order for those to be uh, paid for through insurance. So that's really important. The other thing that Kentucky Cancer Program has been very um, individualized and in, in the certain areas is promoting the HPV vaccine uh, because we know Eastern Kentucky has some, uh, some of the highest rates in cervical cancer and we have over the years really tried to educate the importance of parents and um, students talking about getting vaccinated for HPV and that that is a way to actually stop some of the um, cervical cancer that we're seeing in our state. We've also been very instrumental in colon cancer education. And I'm gonna turn this over to Janika because here lately she's been very instrumental in some of the um, progress and activities that are going on in our state.
4: So before I kind of talk even about the colon cancer project and the work we were doing, I'm actually going to back it up and kind of talk about general, like generally where Kentucky is when we're looking at, you know, newly diagnosed and also when we're looking at kind of death rates in Kentucky around cancer. Like you said, Dr. Shively, we know that we are like at the top, you know, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, a new report came out from CDC that showed that Kentucky is in the bottom ten states for uh, life expectancy due to health overall. And unfortunately, we see that same with cancer. So, for example, if we're just looking at males in Kentucky, we do know that 233.4 per 100,000 males will be diagnosed will die from cancer compared to the national rate of only 185.5, and that's just looking at our males. So unfortunately, we do have a lot more progress to make in the state of Kentucky, even though like Pam has already expressed, we have done tremendous work with KCP and with our other partners of trying to see some of those rates decline, but we have to continue that. So as Pam mentioned, talking about colon cancer, you know, we are very lucky here in the state of Kentucky to have a robust colorectal cancer screening program for those um, rarely and never screened, and for those individuals that load the low-hanging fruit and one of those in programs is the Kentucky colon cancer screening and prevention program it is state funded and that program helps to cover individuals who are uninsured it helps to cover individuals who have high deductibles and also individuals with low income. So that program actually looks at individual income of um, people who are at or below 300% of the federal poverty guideline. So that's one great program that we do have here. And the individuals can get a colonoscopy. They also can get a Cologuard through that program. We work in that, like I said, it is a state funded program. We do partner with the Kentucky Cancer Link to be able to provide those services. And they have contracted health systems throughout the state of Kentucky where individuals can go. Another great project that we've had here in the state of Kentucky for the past um, six years now, it was a, it was first a uh, five-year CDC grant-funded project, and we recently got refunded for another five years, which we're really excited about that. And that particular grant looks at increasing colorectal cancer screening rates In um, federally qualified health centers, as well as other health systems across the state of Kentucky. And through that program, we have seen tremendous progress in getting colon cancer screening um, rates up. And part of that is through the work of partnerships. Um, We each work together collectively to make sure that we're helping the clinic address any patient barriers, as well as any clinic structural barriers that they may have. And also making sure that we're working on their workflow process. So assessing when patients come in and um, to when they walk out the door and doing follow up if they have positive uh, fits the take home stool test. If they have a positive, how are we getting them into a colonoscopy to make sure that they're getting that follow up? Um, so we are doing tremendous work here around colon.
2: That's great. Good information. Now, um, most of our listeners don't know a lot about the Kentucky Cancer Program. So, Pam, uh, Janika has talked pretty much about the, the, uh, the colon uh, cancer screening and prevention. Uh, uh, KCP does cancer screening, prevention, and education. So could I ask you to maybe give us an overview of the other screening activities that the, the, the Kentucky Cancer Program gets involved in, aside from uh, colon cancer screening. I mean, I know you do activities at the fair. I know there's the, the mobile van, do breast cancer screening. And So give us an overview of of what other, other um, uh, cancer screening programs are carried out by KCP.
3: Okay. Um, yes, we are very involved in the community with um, cancer screenings. And we actually started going to the fair over 30 years ago started just doing skin cancer screenings. And um, we actually, we work with the American Academy of Dermatology in um, their support in providing those screenings. And with our screening at the State Fair, we are the largest skin cancer screening program in the United States. And we have found many, many, Cancers over the years from the state fair, as well, you know, basal cell, squamous cell, and several melanomas. So we know that being at the fair, that we have saved lives doing the skin cancer screenings um, through the years. Those screenings at the fair have uh, grown and developed in that we started providing head and neck screenings. We worked with the U of L Dental School to provide screenings with that. We added uh, mobile mammography. Units coming in and offering uh, mammography screenings. And I wanna touch on that a little bit in a little bit further um, as I talk about other ones from the state fair. Uh, We've also added prostate cancer screenings at the fair in that where we have uh, worked with some national organizations, uh, Project Zero, that has uh, units that have used to go across the um, United States and doing prostate cancer screenings. And again, we had one of the largest screenings. Uh, One year, we actually screened 2000 men at the State Fair for prostate cancer screening, which included uh, the blood cancer, um, the PSA blood test as well as the digital rectal exam. And again, we have had several men come back to us year after year after being screened the previous years to say, thank you so much for doing this, because if I hadn't stopped at your booth and if my wife hadn't pushed me to go get this screening last year, I wouldn't have um, been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And thank you for saving my life. So men sometimes are very hesitant in doing that screening, but we have, uh, saved many many lives there we've also done uh, colon cancer education and helped individuals get uh, fit tests or take home blood stool tests at the fair who have qualified for uh, screening for colon cancer we have done tobacco education there and done some ECO monitors to help show individuals their lung capacity from smoking and what that actually does to them And then um, let me then go back and focus on the mammography program that we do uh, throughout um, basically Jefferson County, but the entire state. We have um, a very strong partnership with the Kentucky Department of Public Health in a CDC grant to provide free mammograms to any individual across across Kentucky who do not have insurance and income qualify. And over the last year, it has even uh, grown to include those women who are underinsured. So any woman who does not have insurance or have very high deductible, they can go to their health department and uh, get a clinical breast exam and a pap smear, and then uh, through a contracted services, go get their mammogram for free. If a cancer is found through those screenings, then there are dollars that can pay for that woman to have surgery, treatment, and everything throughout her entire um, time of treatment for that cancer. So here in Kentucky, and Dr. Fl- or in even Jefferson County, Dr. Flynn, you were very instrumental in us uh, developing the partnership in cancer control and getting a mobile mammography unit through the Brown Cancer Center to reach people in Jefferson County and even on the outskirts of Jefferson County to take mobile mammography screening right to their communities. Uh, through this program over the years, we have over approximately 60 screening sites that we do just in Jefferson County to try to take that mobile unit to the communities, to churches, to uh, beauty salon, to health clinics, to community centers and um, promote mammography and happening. Um, and because of those 60 uh, sites just in the community, we have over 3000 women who we uh, screen each year. And of course the mobile mammography unit also goes to like the Portland Health Clinic, East Broadway, the um, other federally qualified health centers to provide mammograms for those patients. So it is a wonderful program. And again, um, with this program, we have had a partnership with former first lady Jane Bashir in a program we call Horses and Hope. And we've taken the mobile mammography unit and education to the backside of Keeneland and uh, Churchill Downs. We've taken it to um, horse farms as well as other racing uh, tracks across Kentucky to educate those individuals who are on the backside who may not take the time or have the opportunity to go get a mammogram. So we take the mobile mammography unit there and screen these women to make sure that they are getting the healthcare services that they need.
2: Uh, Pam, I'm going to tell a story about that mobile unit in a minute. But before, I, I think I'll just make a comment about um, uh, being somewhat reluctant uh, to drop in at the uh, prostate screening uh, booth at the at the at the <laughs> state fair. I'm not sure if I was going to the state fair. I'd want to pop in to have a digital rectal exam. <laughs> so, well, no, you know, it is what it is, I guess.
3: Many don't. Yeah. And I, I have to admit, the wife is there a lot of times pushing those men to I, go do it. I, I understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking at Gina <laughs> and wondering, are you you're likely to do that, Gina? Oh, yeah, yeah I go right yeah. Out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And then you can get, get your uh, stew checked mm-hmm. for a call. <laughs> and... Yeah. And, <laughs>
3: Just to add, you know, about what we've done at the fair over the years, I mean, our skin cancer screening booth is, I mean, we have people that come back year after year at all of our screenings. And what is sad, I I hate to say this, um, because there are other um, organizations that are there that are doing, you know, blood pressure screenings and sometimes um, diabetes and, and other types of hearing tests, vision tests. And there are so many individuals that they come to the state fair and that's their annual exam for the year. So it's good that we're there providing it. But yet we try to educate the importance of them developing relationships with primary care providers.
2: Well, let me tell the story about the mobile van. And I'm going to ask Janika to respond to it at the end. Uh, Now, way back in the beginning, uh, Connie, um, Elizabeth Amin, who is a radiologist and I and the administrator at the cancer center at the time, whose name I can't remember, I can remember his first name, but I can't remember his last name. We went up to Frankfurt, put on the certificate of need, and we got the van, brought the van, and, and started going around to different places, and we we went to uh, West Louisville. And one of the things that that came up was that we, there really wasn't a very good Uh, response. People just weren't showing up to get the mammograms. So Connie uh, talked me into putting my uh, Sunday go to church suit, which is not something I do a lot anyway, on on Sunday evenings. And I would drive to the churches in West Louisville on Sunday evening. They, They often had uh, some kind of a meeting and, and often had a dinner and I'd bring my slideshow along and, and talk about the advantages of breast cancer screening. And I often learned more about what one of the reasons why they weren't getting as good a response as as, as the information that I, I was passing on. Uh, and, and they were very nice to me. and they often explained to me that you know, some of the basic priorities of getting their children safely back from school, getting food on the table, and some of these uh, very fundamental life issues were were a higher priority than, than getting breast cancer screening. So Janika, I get my question to you is, how is that going out there now? Uh, uh, you know, again, this is back in the 90s. So it's a long time ago. And sounds like the programs that you and others at the KCP have put on have gotten a lot better response. So where are you with getting um, folks from the West End to show up when the van is there and and, and do whatever other cancer screening activities that are carried out in, in West Louisville?
4: So, you know, I will let me answer the first part of your question is saying that we do still see a lot of though a lot of the hesitation because of competing priorities. You know, um, I'm going to speak on COVID. COVID has highlighted a lot of the health inequities that you see amongst our vulnerable and marginalized populations. And when you're talking about, like you said, about safety, looking at violence and crime in some of those neighborhoods, you know, making sure that they can pay their bills, we still have to make sure that we're addressing those needs. Because if we're not paying attention and addressing those needs, then we really can't get people in the door to get screened as we liked. So even now, we have, I mean, and it has started because of the work that you all did in the beginning that's making it even easier now. Um, And that's because we make sure that we educate individuals around the importance of getting screening, as well as we making sure that we're connecting them to resources. So, you know, one of the things I like to share with people is that I partner with our with our local chapter of community health workers And those community health workers a lot of times will help these individuals to find those other resources to be able to pay their bills if they need food vouchers, and that always helps to so therefore we're showing that we want to treat the whole person. And we're not just trying to get them a screening we want to make sure that all of their needs are met. And like you said, working through the faith-based community, it is so vitally important that you have trusted members in the community that are promoting those messages around screening and early detection and prevention. And one of those things we do is we work with our pastors. We work with the community leaders in the African-American community so that therefore they can help be advocates for us. Um, They can make sure that individuals know that, this, that if you find cancer early, then that's when it's going to uh, be easily treated. And we make sure that we push these messages in the African-American community. One of the other things is because Kayak has become such a credible and trusted entity and partner in the community that when we do go out and we're talking with these individuals in West Louisville, then they know that they can trust us. They know that we care about them and they know we're t- going to try and get them into programs that is going to be best for them. And also, one thing that we have found is making sure that we talk to them about the trust factor. So often, you know, we do try and encourage people to go get screened, but we do have to remember that one of the issues and barriers in the African-American community has been distrust of the healthcare system for a good reason. So we make sure that we make sure that the people that we have in the community are reflective of who they look like, um, making sure that we connect them with individuals that they can trust and that they know they can get the appropriate screenings.
2: And I'm not sure if this next question is a fair one for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, you know, the faith community was important in all those things, but it's also important getting people vaccinated. Have you got some thoughts about how that's going?
4: Yes, absolutely. You know, unfortunately, when the vaccines first rolled out, there was not a targeted approach. So, for example, you know, they first rolled out the vaccines. One of the sites they did was at the new YMCA, the Republic Bank Foundation YMCA at 17th and Broadway. And unfortunately, a lot of the individuals who came to get their vaccine was not um, the people who attended were not reflective of the individuals that actually live in that community. But that's because it but we did not start seeing that until people started making a more targeted approach. So you then start seeing some of our health systems connect with our African-American churches to do pop up vaccine clinics. And that's when we started seeing more of the African Americans get vaccinated. And once again, that was because those messages were coming from trusted partners. It was coming from those African American community leaders, and a lot of them actually even got vaccinated first to show the community that, "Look, I'm getting vaccinated. You can do it too." To help build that trust.
2: Yeah, really important public service, Gene. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what kind of a relationship? Uh... Do you have with the health department and are you able to work with the health department uh, to uh, get uh, cancer screening done? I know that the amount of money that uh, the health departments in Kentucky gets has been radically decreased over the last number of years. Are you able to get pap smears and cancer, other cancer screening done to the state health department like you used to?
4: So, you know, as Pam kind of touched on that already, one of the programs that we do have or that we partner with out of the state is the Kentucky Women's uh, Cancer Screening Program. And they do work with some of the health departments across the state for that. But as you said, a lot of the money has started to dwindle in the health departments and a lot of the health departments are not doing as many screening services as they were in the past but in some ways that we do still partner with the health department is to be able to still spread the word around screening. And then even here, like in Louisville area, they have a wonderful health equity department that we definitely partner with them on to be able to reach the African-American community and address any of their competing priorities. And I'll let Pam touch on that more if she'd like. Yes. And
3: working with um, the health departments and, and other community groups because of the Kentucky Women's Cancer Screening Program, the services that they've offered, and because of funding being cut to the health departments, we've seen many of them not be able to provide those services, but the state health department has worked very hard to try to contract with health care providers in communities to still provide services to those women who are uninsured. And then that's where the Kentucky Cancer Program comes in and we try to educate individuals and women where they can go to still get those services that maybe they didn't realize were still available in their communities. So it's very important that we are um, reaching the churches, that we are going to the housing authorities and getting word out through there, that we're going to the community groups, the senior citizen centers, and trying to educate that these services are available and try to help them get connected and um, to give their phone numbers, to even make the appointments. And as Janika talked earlier, we uh, talk about the Kentucky Cancer Link and that they have um, programs available that they can also help funnel these women into the services and screening programs that are available across the state.
2: Go ahead, uh, Pam. Let me get you to talk about uh, some of the Kentucky Cancer Program education programs. After I tell you a short story that uh, goes way back into the day when I was I had the uh, an administrative position at the Cancer Center, and, and Connie, uh, aside from talking to me into going to the West End on Sunday evening. Uh, had me put a talk together about uh, you know smoking, smoking prevention, the risks of smoking, and she would set me up to go to um, uh, high schools and middle schools around around uh, Jefferson County. <laughs> I show up there at you know two o'clock in the afternoon in, the, uh, in an auditorium full of a bunch of restless teenagers and and garble away <laughs> about about not smoking and why it was bad for you. So. Uh, what's going on with all of those programs? Give us an overview. Again, again, the listeners don't know a lot about the cancer program, but what other kinds of um, cancer education programs are being carried out you know, and who, you know, who's doing what?
3: Well, over the years, we have tried to be very creative in how we go out and educate and uh, in order to reach the different populations. So yes, we have gone to many high schools and middle schools to promote um, non-smoking and to help the um, teenagers realize they shouldn't be doing it, what can happen. But, but we all know teenagers are invincible. And so they don't think they need to listen to this. And we tried to make them understand that by the time they realize they don't want to smoke any longer, their body's addicted to it. So over the years, way back, we even developed a program called Do Right, Dr. Do Right. And it was a dinosaur that we used as our mascot. And We went to elementary and middle schools to talk about Do Right, Don't Smoke, Do Right, Eat Right, and Do Right, Don't Burn, to push the importance of wearing your sunscreen, um, eating the proper fruits and vegetables and exercising. And then of course not smoking and what it will do to your body over the years. So we have done programs like that. We have gone to the community centers to um, try to educate and to the senior citizen centers. And you know we find kind of like what you found when you go to a high school and they don't want to listen to somebody come in and talk about tobacco. We find that same thing with senior citizen centers. So we found the way to get them to listen to us is to play bingo. So we have developed programs that where we can go in and play bingo with them and educate them with the question that they have to then mark on their card um, in order to play bingo. And then we take apples and oranges and bananas as some of the prizes that we give to, again, push healthy eating. So, you know, we try to find so many different ways to um, educate uh, we, we have been to uh, Kiwanis and JC and Lions Club groups to get on their agenda and speak. In the Hispanic community, we actually work with um, lay health leaders, or we call them promotoras. We have a couple here in Jefferson County we use that when we talked about the trust issue in the African-American population, that is sometimes even a bigger concern in the Hispanic population for a number of reasons. So it's so important that we have somebody from the Hispanic community um, out teaching and recruiting these women to come get their mammograms because they wanna hear it from somebody that they trust and that when they come and have their mammogram, that that's actually what is happening and that they're not going to be asked to show their green card or papers. And uh, so it it takes a lot of trust in that in that area. Um, Some of the other ways that we educate is um, in going to the colleges. And we have trained nursing students over the years to then go to um, they are sometimes assigned to go to schools and do educational programs or other types of communities. So we work with so many different partners. We've worked with the county extension um, departments in going to homemaker groups and trying to educate and doing food demonstrations on the proper way to fix food. We do that with, um, Janika can talk about it a little bit later, a healthy taste uh, program that she's getting ready to, again, that we have developed over the years. But I'm gonna let her talk about that because it's such a wonderful program. Um, and we do use, we, we still call on doctors. Dr. Flynn, if you ever want to go back out again, uh, we'd be happy to take you.
2: That's okay. Out. It's okay, Pam. Thank you. <laughs> I'll probably pass on that one.
3: And, and you know, one of the things that you know you talked about is your Sunday evenings or afternoons. and that's one thing that we have found is we have to approach the community when it is best on their agendas. So for us, it's not just a nine to five job. You know, we have to go in the evenings. We have to go work on Saturdays. Um, I've been to Sunday morning worships to where then after the worship service that we tried to educate the women and get them signed up for a mammography screening. So we work, you know, so many different ways in order to meet those community needs. And we listen to the community and we ask them, how can we reach in? How can we get into the, the housing units, um, a project we're even doing right now is we're going, we're trying to get to Fort Knox and VA and in Louisville and Lexington to educate about tobacco and make sure that they are talking to their servicemen and women and people who have come out about their tobacco use. So, you know, we, we do everything we can and be very creative and sometimes tricky in how we're getting in and educating them in a fun way. So Janika, uh, to good talk good about luck. your health equity, um, healthy taste over the years. Well,
2: let me make a quick comment about the VA before we move on to Janika and tell us about the dietary programs. Good luck. with. I ran the tumor conference at the Louisville VA hospital for about 10 years. So I would show up uh, at about 645 on a Tuesday morning, park my car in the parking area and walk and go through the front door. Now at the front door, were an assortment of guys uh, wearing bathrobes or pajamas. uh, Some people with their oxygen tanks next to them all sitting out there smoking. And I know aside from worrying about their health, I was afraid I was going to get blown up when one of these guys (laughs) was going to light up and their oxygen tank was going to go off. Uh, Janika, tell us about some of these dietary programs that you're working on.
4: So one of the programs that Pims talking about is the Harriet B. Porter um, Culinary Institute. And this institute has been going on for about 10 years, a little over 10 years now. And it started, it's evolved and especially gonna look different now because of COVID. But it started where we were training African-American churches, three to four people from uh, from African-American area churches to come to a day-long institute at Sullivan University. And it was based on... um, Healthy Body and Soul program trying to teach them how to prepare the meals they love um, in a healthier way. And these churches would come and they'd stay there all day. They work with professional chefs from Sullivan University. And then we would give them gifts like an apron. And then the church would get a stipend to go back to their own congregation and to prepare these meals that they learned about during the Institute. And then we would go out and do a presentation for their congregation about how nutrition can might reduce our risk for cancer or helps reduce our risk for cancer. Now, it has evolved over the years and even this year is going to look totally different. Um, actually next Saturday on April 24th, we are going to have a virtual culinary Institute. We're really excited about it. We will still be partnering with the chefs at Sullivan University to lead this um, Institute, but. It won't, like I said, we, they won't get the in-person dynamic that we're used to. We also can't have as many people as we used to. The past few years, we've had anywhere from 80 to 100 people attend this in-person institute. And it's fun, it's interactive, it's a way to actually talk about healthy eating and actually get them to try and make small changes. Even if they don't change everything, they can make small changes like their portion size. Because we do know that we love our soul food, so we want to teach them how to make that soul food healthier.
1: Um, one of the things that I've done in the past to get the attention of teenagers, I had a medical explorer. post for many years and we had to cut it down for COVID, but we're going to start it again next year. But I show gross slides like uh, uh, big cancers uh, in the head and neck (laughs) And that gets their attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question. Uh, I'm
2: going to tell you a story about that. <laughs>
4: okay,
1: <laughs> hear your full story. You get finished. Now, yeah. I got some stories at the VA too. I remember yeah, the, I, I remember the times when the. Uh, when they used to hand out free cigarettes, the uh, Red Cross uh, oh. ladies used to go <laughs> around with carts and hand out a cigarette to the veterans.
2: Well, finish your <laughs> story because I want to tell a story about a a, 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 a cancer prevention lecture that I gave at Baptist hospital years ago. Now I want to know about
1: what, what you guys are doing in rural Kentucky, because the incidence of cancer and, uh, it's much higher in rural Kentucky and the death rates are much higher. So how are you affecting rural uh, K- Kentucky? And and tell us a little bit of what you're doing.
3: Well, m- many of the programs that we have kind of talked about today, we target to meet those uh, communities in rural Kentucky. The Kentucky Cancer Program, we, um, we have offices across, uh, 14 offices across the state. So we each cover our own ad district. So through the University of Louisville, we have an office in Paducah, Owensboro, um, um, Madisonville, Bowling Green, and the E-Town, Bardstown area. So each of those coordinators work with the health departments, um, uh, their county health coalitions, the hospitals, uh, the um, oncologist and visiting primary care offices to again, find the, the gaps and find where the need is in those communities. Um, some of the programs that we work on that we get special funding uh, through the state health department, actually through the Breast Cancer Trust Fund is that we have done targeted education in communities for breast cancer education and getting women to uh, never or rarely screened medicaid or no insurance um, in those populations and in those communities so we've done that by working with again some of the churches the housing projects um, and other little civic groups that we can find and get in to find these women educate them and then actually get an appointment for them so it's each area is different and sometimes it's different in who our community partners are, which is why it's so important that we actually have cancer control specialists in those communities that know the communities, know the partners, and then they know how to address the issues in each area.
1: Has the Medicaid expansion helped you to do this and made patients more available?
3: Um, I think Janique and I both can address this. Um, it has to a degree, um, sometimes it's still changing attitude uh, for, to get people in for their screening, but that's partly where we've also seen some of the numbers change through the health departments of women not going there to get screened because if they now have insurance that they are um, able to go get screened, but there are still um, um, many other factors why individuals aren't getting screened, and I'll let Janika kind of talk
4: about that. Right absolutely, um, Pam. so and also, what we're seeing is that we have a number of individuals who have Medicaid that they still aren't getting screened, and it's because of those other issues that Pam kind of started referencing. Um uh, we have we, what we do know is that not only like in the Eastern Kentucky area, but we see this in our African-American community, we see this in our Hispanic and Latinx community, is that you have so many other health inequities. We have issues dealing with educational attainment, which we know does impact individuals, um, their fatalistic views. It affects their health literacy. We have issues with transportation, Issues with the access, especially when you're looking at an Eastern Kentucky, but even in also in our African American area, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, we have public transportation here. So that shouldn't be a problem. Well, public transportation only helps to an extent because if those individuals have to take two or three buses to get to an appointment, sometimes they've missed their appointment or it takes them too long to be able to get back home to their families. So that goes back to what we talked about earlier, talking about those competing priorities. So while the Medicaid expansion has helped in some regard, it has not completely solved our problem, which is why Kentucky Cancer Program will continue to be relevant. We will continue to have to do the work that we're doing because we have to be able to reach those individuals where they are and tailor programs to them, as well as to try and connect them to resources that can help them.
1: Um, One of the things you may be interested in is the Taylor Regional Hospital uh, provides transportation. Now, Medicaid provides its own transportation, but for other patients who don't have any way to get to a doctor's appointment or to the cancer center or the wound care center, etc., we actually have vans which will go out and pick up patients and bring them into uh, their appointment. We are only one of uh, two hospitals in the whole country that are doing that. It's something that you might think of and try to expand in other areas of of Kentucky. It's been very successful for us. We've been able to raise uh, $30,000 or $40,000 a year to replace the vans. We have full-time drivers, and it's been extremely successful for us.
0: Mark? I, I do have a question we talked about uh, the smoking issue, but I think a lot of communities in Kentucky also suffer from environmental corruptions, whether it's um, chemical plants in their backyard, uh, coal mining, um, those type of, of uh, situations that can... Um, can cause higher incidences of cancer. How, how are you guys received in those uh, situations and communities?
4: So I'll speak, I'll, I'll start and I'll let Pam kind of jump in on here. So once again, we have a number of programs that helps with that as well. One of our programs, the Self-Made Health Program, focuses on um, not only tobacco use and lung cancer, but it talks about radon. And it focuses on some of those other environmental issues that you mentioned. And we also work and partner with UK Brief because they have been able to disseminate several like radon kits or they've, um, they worked in areas where individuals might be exposed to any kind of environmental hazards. So once again, we have programs that are targeted to specifically for that cause and to those individuals. Pam, did you want to mention anything else about that? Uh, No, I I think that pretty
3: much covers it, except again, we um, many times when we try to do the education and uh, talk to individuals about trying to reduce their risk and if they're working in an environment that can increase their risks of cancer, it, it sometimes the message gets lost. And so one of the ways that we really try to do that is, again, build the rapport and to really emphasize the importance of them having routine screenings and having a relationship with a primary care provider to stay up on their health care um, issues and any sort of healthcare care screenings.
2: Uh, Pam, uh, I want to tell a quick story about another thing that kind of got me into, and then i'm going to ask you to talk a little bit you've talked about screening and education I also have you again for listeners talk about the uh, you know the some of the cancer prevention activities as opposed to education and screening of a kentucky cancer program but let me let me finish with the story uh, one of the other activities that kind of got me involved in was giving a, another talk at at baptist this was again 100 years ago about 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 uh, smoking and cancer. And I had some pretty gross looking slides. I had some nasty looking cancers. I had one picture of a, of a lady who had had a laryngectomy who was smoking through her trache- tracheal stoma. And uh, you know, how, you know, it wasn't a thousand people. They're a pretty good room full of people. And I you know, was up there babbling away. And when I was over, I realized that there were fewer, less people in the room than when I started. So, as I walked out the door, there was a whole bunch of people out there smoking. <laughs> they, got, I mean, they got so upset or nervous, they had to go out and have a cigarette. So, I wasn't so sure how well that was going over. So, tell us a little bit about some of the cancer prevention programs that go on, that are run or managed or overseen by the Kentucky Cancer Program.
3: Well, to kind of elaborate on some of your story there with people smoking, as I said, over the years, we have done uh, smoking cessation classes. Uh, One that we did for many, many years was the Cooper Clayton Method to Stop Smoking. And it was a 13-week program that individuals would come who uh, had decided that they thought they were ready to stop smoking. And with that particular program, they would come the first week and we would thing that we were going to cover. And then we told them that they didn't have to stop smoking until the next week when they came back. So we would see everybody, as soon as that class was over, they would be out the door and start smoking. And it would also be interesting as individuals would come in right before they would come in, they would all be out there smoking and taking very deep drags off their cigarette because they thought that was going to be their last cigarette. So the one thing that we have found in trying to educate individuals about stop smoking, and we do that so often because we've also developed another program called plan to be tobacco free. And it is a one hour program that we offer now virtually um, to help individuals develop a plan to stop smoking. And we try to review with individuals um, their smoking habits, how um, have they tried stopping in the past? We know that individuals, it takes seven to 10 quit attempts before they actually become a non-smoker, that there's so many you know, factors playing in that they may pick up the cigarettes again. Um, we cover all the different pharmacotherapy aids over the counter, as well as prescription. We know, um, thanks to um, a lot of hard work with um, people in our community, in our state, that um, patches, gum, and lozenge are paid for by the insurance if physician will write the prescription for it. So that's another barrier that um, smokers always said, they can't afford to go buy the patches because they, they can't do that. So we try to educate them and say, okay, how much are you smoking? How much does it cost? And this is how much you're spending a month on cigarettes, and this is how much you will pay for the patches, gum, or lozenge and through some of our programs that we um, with the health departments when they go through those and some of the um, hospitals we can actually provide uh, patches for them for anywhere sometimes for 12 weeks but now it's more like four or eight weeks Um, if individuals will call the 1-800 quit now program that the state has a contract um, to help individuals with that uh, people who don't have insurance, they can actually get, I think it's right now, eight weeks of patches for free. So we try to educate that if you're getting these patches for free, the money that you would be spending on those cigarettes, put to the side, and then you can buy your patches from here on out when those other um, eight weeks um, come up that you have to pay for it. So that's one of the educational programs that we do. And um, and through that, then we try to educate individuals about Low-dose CT scans for smokers, and those guidelines have just changed in March. Um, although we know because of insurance and everything, it'll be late 2022 or even to 2023 that insurance will catch up to those new guidelines. But it used to be that we would look at 30 30-year um, 30 pack smokers, and now it's down to 20. But individuals who basically smoke, you know, a pack a day for 30 years, um, can qualify for a low dose CT scan. Uh, the numbers have come down to age 50 to 80, depending on the insurance. And if an individual has stopped smoking within the last 15 years, they can still be eligible for this low dose CT scan. Now it is a screening and it is for individuals who are not showing any other type of symptoms for, um, lung problems. And so it, that is a wonderful um, addition that has been uh, provided out there now for us to help try to catch cancers early, lung cancer, because of that being such an issue. And so we're seeing that that low dose CT screening and education has really made a difference in the community. Um, Uh, Pam,
2: Pam, uh, we're getting into the last five minutes here. So let me, I'd like to ask you both to respond to one more question. we're we're down to two minutes. (laughs) 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 So I guess you'll have to be quick. Now, let me me ask this quickly. Yeah, as you know, we are sponsored by uh, Kentuckians for single payer, Medicare for all. If uh, in this country, we ended up with uh, either a public option added to the Affordable Care Act, or if we, uh, uh, you know, I I think we'd all be crazy to believe anything like this is going to happen soon, but if we ended up with a single payer system like Medicare for all, how would that affect or would it have any effect on the activities of the Kentucky cancer program? And let me ask both of you to respond to that and that's probably gonna
4: finish us up.
3: Janique, I'll let you go ahead and address that.
4: Um, thank you. So. You know, once again, I will say that this excuse me this view is reflective of my own and how I feel, not necessarily the University of Louisville. But I do not think that it would necessarily our programs will remain the same, even if we do get if we do have a single payer for all because of due to the inequities that we kind of previously previously discussed. For an example, when you looked at the U.S. census in 2019, you had 19 percent of um, African-Americans and 16 percent of the Hispanic and Latinx community who lived below the poverty line compared to 7% of non-Hispanic whites and Asians. And that's just looking at the poverty. But then you can even look at educational attainment and several of these other factors that we've discussed. So therefore we will still have our work cut out for us because we will still need to, to make sure that we are meeting the community where we where they are and tailoring programs to address any and all of their needs.
2: Well, we're about to the end of the program here. I want to thank you both. You were great. Uh, you, the information was very informative. Uh, uh, yeah, we may do this again uh, if we're still doing this another eight or nine months from now. I think we'd like to have you back and see what's going on. Mark, uh, you want to? You want to? You know, sing the final sim song and take okay. us out well, of
0: here. <laughs> well, one one last uh, uh, question: If folks wanted to invite you to their church group or or uh, meeting what would be the best contact um, info that they could go to? Is that a website? Is that an individual?
4: So depending on who the organization is, um, they will reach out to myself or to Pam and they could either visit our website at www.kycancerprogram.org or they could actually call us, even though you know, we because we've been working from home, we are still making sure we're answering those phones around the clock and getting the calls to the necessary individual. So they can also call us at 502-852-6318.
0: Very important information. Thank you so much. For folks who want to become involved with Kentuckians for single payer healthcare, you can go to KYHealthcare.com org kyhealthcare.org you can contact our chairperson k Tillo, directly at nurse npo at aol.com that's nurse npo at aol.com everyone thank you so much well good to thank be you. here thank
2: you